Hello, friends. It's me, the president of Chickenlandia. Did you know that I have a new book that is now available for purchase? You heard that right. It's called Let's All Keep Chickens, The Down-to-Earth Guide to Natural Practices for Healthier Birds and a Happier World. It's now available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, your local bookstore, and more. For more information on how you can grab your copy, just click the link in the show notes. It's so exciting, I can barely handle it. Okay, on with the show. Welcome to Chickenlandia's 100% friendly podcast, Bok Talk. This show will help you learn all about how backyard chicken keeping can be fun, entertaining, and stress-free. Here's your host, the president of Chickenlandia! Hello, friends. Welcome to Chickenlandia and welcome to Bok Talk, your 100% friendly backyard chickens show. I am your host, Dahlia, also known as the president of Chickenlandia. I'm a backyard chicken educator that has found peace and joy in the chicken yard. And it is my mission to help you find that too. Welcome back, everyone. If you are watching me live on YouTube right now, we are all just saying a prayer that my internet cooperates today (laughs) because it is raining really hard outside right now. And for those of you that do not live in the Pacific Northwest, it usually doesn't, it rain, like it rains a lot, but it doesn't rain very hard. And so my internet doesn't like it when it's raining really hard. So I hope it works out. But anyway, we're just going to assume it's working. Uh, Today is episode nine of season five. And today we are going to be talking about something that I have received many questions and concerns about lately. Um, It is about sneezing chickens and chickens with respiratory stuff going on. Okay. I, I always get messages about sneezing chickens this time of year. Uh, it tis the season to be jolly and to sneeze if you're a chicken. (laughs) So, um, I do have a question that was submitted through my website. Welcome to chickenlandia.com. I'm going to chat for a bit, give you some information. I'm going to answer that question, and then I will open up the chat here live on YouTube. For those of you that are joining me today, you can ask your questions at that time. If you want to submit a question to Bok Talk, all you have to do is go to welcometochickenlandia.com, go to the contact section, and then while you're there, you can join the greatest chicken mailing list in all of the many dimensions. (laughs) It's called Chickenlandia Nation. I will send you a discount to my online course, Chickenlandia's Backyard Chickens 101, a chicken course for everyone. This is my super fun and interactive course, and it's a great way for you to get direct access to me. I know many of you have lots of questions and you want to ask me directly these questions. And it's impossible for me to get to everybody. But if you take my course, then I do prioritize my students because that's just how I have to do it. Um, Anyway, I am very proud of my course and I hope to see you there. Okay, I want to let you know that this podcast was brought to you by the folks at My Favorite Chicken. (laughs) My Favorite Chicken is my favorite place 
to get all my chicken stuff. I get my uh, scratch and peck feed, which is uh, non-GMO, organic, all socially responsible, all that good stuff. I get my chicken treats. I get my chicken fun stuff from my favorite chicken. I will leave a link for them in the show notes. I also want to let you know that this podcast was brought to you by the folks at Small Pet Select. Small Pet Select is a small company that is local to me, and I know you're absolutely going to love them. Um, They have, let's see, what am I using from them right now? I'm using their sprouts. They have these little pouches that you can grow sprouts in, and those are great in the winter, um, especially, you know, during a time when your chickens don't have a lot of access to foliage. Um, or if you're in the city and your chickens just don't have any grass in their run, because you know what chickens do when they when they have a, when they're in a smaller space and there's grass, they get rid of all of it. Um, so this is a good way to get some good nutrition into them. And I'm using their flaked oyster shell, which my chickens really like. So I will also leave a link for them and a coupon code for them in the show notes. And they also have stuff for little fuzzy animals like chinchillas and stuff like that. So. Definitely check them out. All right, so let's just get right into it. Let's talk about sniffly, sneezy chickens. Uh, this first piece of advice I'm going to give you is probably the most important advice advice I will give you today, okay? <laughs> For a lot of you, I know this is your first time having chickens through the colder months, um, and I know it can be really distressing if you walk into your chicken coop And all of a sudden you're hearing, you know, one or maybe even a few of your chickens sneezing. Um, But the the first thing I want you to do, the most important thing I want you to do is to not panic. Okay. I do understand that tendency because, you know, when this is happening and you go online and you're always seeing people suggest that, you know, if a chicken is sneezing, they just immediately, you need to put them down. If they, if they have any kind of respiratory thing, you need to put them down. And, and a lot of times the advice will even be to put your whole flock down. Like if you go in face, on Facebook and say that, sometimes people will say, oh, your whole flock needs to be put down. And I, I want to tell you that in most cases, it's just like with people, you know, that is not needed in most cases. Okay. Especially for those of you that are listening to this podcast or watching this podcast, you know, the type of flocks that you have, you have a a hobby farm, or even if you have like a small egg farm, that's just not likely not going to be the scenario that you're going to have to face. Okay. The reason for this kind of alarmist sentiment that you see everywhere and in all the chicken groups, um, and a lot of times in, in a lot of online literature, you will see it is because the the advice is either geared towards factory farms or greatly influenced by factory farms, okay? And in a factory farm, the rate of morbidity, the rate of mortality is going to be higher because the conditions are not conducive to life in the first place, much less surviving illness. And any illness that happens in a factory farm is going to affect the bottom line. And when something affects the bottom line for a factory farm, it is easier for them to just cull the flock and start over, you know, disinfect and then start over, okay? Um, But when you have a backyard flock, it's a completely different environment. The chances of your chickens pulling through illness is much higher. 
And now I'm not saying that it never happens that there's, you know, there's a very serious situation that requires serious action that does happen sometimes. I'm just saying that it's most likely not going to be the case for you that you're going to have to like cull your whole flock or that your whole flock is doomed or you have to, you have to cull some of your chickens. Like that is likely not going to be the case. And I certainly don't want it to be the first thing that you jump to in your mind if you see a chicken that's sneezing or having respiratory uh, issues. Okay. So if you have members of your flock that are sneezing or displaying other symptoms of, of respiratory distress, should you immediately get them, you know, put the, get some antibiotics, put them on antibiotics, put your entire flock on antibiotics? Well, okay. First, I want to say I'm not a veterinarian. Okay. So my disclaimer is rolling, but I'm, <laughs> I'm not a veterinarian, but I do know that a- antibiotics are not preventative medicine. Okay. And I have worked with several different vets I will tell you that this is not what I would immediately do, you know, if I had respiratory illness in my flock, I would not do this without a proper diagnosis. And if I was not told by a licensed veterinarian that that would be the best course of action for me, okay? And right now there is legislation that has recently passed that, you know, depending on where you are, you it might not even be possible for you to get the, the type of antibiotics you would need that might help with respiratory illness, okay? And that's all assuming that what you're dealing with is bacterial because if it's viral, then antibiotics are not going to have an effect on it, okay? I am not, I'm not against antibiotics. I know that there is a time and place for them, but they aren't without risks, especially if you put your entire flock on them. Okay. They can pose risk to your birds. They can lower the general resilience of your flock. They can possibly pose a risk to whoever's consuming the eggs from your birds. Um, and they can certainly pose a risk to your local ecosystem because we know that everything that we, you know, your local ecosystem and beyond, because we know that everything we put into our chickens, it does not stay in our chickens. It goes into the environment and antibiotics creates, it can create, especially overuse of antibiotics can create disease resistance, which has become a real problem. It has become a real problem, not just with backyard chickens, but for humans and other animals as well. Okay. So I just, I'm I'm saying all this because I really, I know the advice, the general advice that's out there. And before you jump to anything, um, you know, that I would feel is kind of extreme, I just want you to really think of it very critically about whether or not that's the route you want to take. You know, for for an individual chicken, it might be the best case scenario for you to get that chicken on a course of antibiotics. That might that might be what needs to be done to get that chicken to pull through whatever's going on. But I don't think in most cases it is ideal for your whole flock, certainly not without a proper diagnosis. It's just never the first thing that I would reach for, that I would recommend reaching for. And I really try to treat naturally uh, first before I before I do anything, anything synthetic. And I, I'm going to talk exactly the protocol that I follow here in just a minute. 
But before we talk about that, there is something very important I want to suggest. Um, if you are dealing with respiratory stuff or sneezing or whatever in your flock, you need to make sure that there's no ammonia buildup in your coop, okay? If there is, you really, if you can, unless everything's frozen or whatever, you need to clean it out, okay? You know, try to scrape out all the poop as much as you can if you're doing deep litter. Make sure that there's not too much moisture buildup going on um, and make sure that it's properly turned because a lot of times if it's just stagnant, you know, if your deep litter is stagnant, then you can end up with ammonia issues. So make sure it's properly turned um, because those things can affect how that process works, okay? Um, and then going forward, just make sure that your coop doesn't have ammonia buildup and, you know, just ch check in with it every day. And, and, you know, ammonia happens. It really does. Um, I've seen people get really judgmental about it and it is, is really depending on what climate you're in. Sometimes it can be tough. It can be like a constant battle to stay ahead of it. So just make sure that you're doing everything that you can. You can use a product that has clay in it, like, um, uh, I think it's um, zeolite clay. Uh, there's a few different products that you can use with deep litter that will help uh, absorb ammonia. And then also First Saturday Lime, I've realized, is, is pretty good at controlling ammonia um, and keeping those levels down. And I'll put a link for the First Saturday Lime in the description for you. You know, that is that is what I'm actually using now. I'm using First Saturday Lime. And I order it from my favorite chicken, so... I do like it, but just remember, um, ammonia buildup plus cold temperatures, plus extended time in the coop, you know, all of that is a recipe for sneezing chickens, for chickens with respiratory issues. Okay. So make sure that you stay on top of it and handle it if it needs to be handled. Okay. All right. So all that being said, Let's move on to our, to our listener question. And this is from Sarah. And Sarah says, hello. Hi, Sarah. <laughs> I have multiple chickens sneezing. I purchased the antimonium crudum. Okay, so she is referring to a homeopathic that I have recommended in the past for a certain kind of uh, respiratory issue. So that's what she's referring to. She saw a video of mine where I talked about it. It's an older video. And I'm going to talk about that more in a few minutes, but um, let's just go ahead and read the rest of her question. Uh, I have been putting uh, pellets in their water for a few days, but it doesn't seem to be helping. She's talking about the, the homeopathic. Uh, what should I do? I'm worried because my rooster is sneezing a lot more than the others, and he kind of seems to be wheezing a little bit. Okay, so... Um, First, let's talk about all the other things I do besides uh, homeopathic for respiratory issues. This is the basic protocol that I follow, and it's very simple. It's just supportive care. And in case you're wondering, it's basically pulled right out of my book because I talk about this kind of stuff in my book. So, all right, here goes. Um, the first thing I want you to do is to follow the REST method for any chicken that is obviously sick that is showing those first signs of illness okay and for those of you that have been following me for a while you know what the rest method is it i have a whole video about it i'm going to link that video in the show notes 
but here's like the Cliff Notes version of it. Uh, REST is an acronym and it stands, the R stands for remove your chicken from the flock. The E stands for give them an, an electrolyte vitamin and probiotic supplement. Um, the S stands for scrambled egg. So you're going to give them a little bit of scrambled egg. It's like comfort food. It's very nutritionally dense and it can, it can, um, entice a chicken to eat that doesn't have much of an appetite. Okay. And give them some strength to get through the illness. And then the T stands for, um, temperature control because you don't want a chicken that is struggling with some kind of illness, to be focusing their energy on staying warm or staying cool. You want them to be in a, in a, in an area where they don't have to uh, focus on controlling the, the temperature of their body. They can just focus on getting better. Okay. So that is the rest method. And that's the, your first line of action for any kind of illness. Okay. Just very, uh, you know, common sense, supportive care. The next thing I want you to do is get a clove of garlic, cut it in a couple, you know, two or three pieces, and add that one garlic clove per gallon to your sick chicken's water and then also give it to the rest of your flock, okay? So if you have one chicken that you, one or two chickens that you've brought inside, and they're not feeling well, you want to give them the garlic water and then also give it to your flock because you want the flock, you know, you want hopefully the whole flock to resist whatever's going on. Okay. Um, if you don't put it in the water, you can mince it and then put it in scrambled egg and they'll gobble that up. Um, and you know, I know that a lot of people will use garlic powder and if that's all you have, just go ahead and use that. For me, for something like this, I would use fresh garlic because it's just going to have more of those immune-boosting properties um, that garlic is known for, you know, antiviral, antibacterial, all that good stuff. So I would, I, I prefer using fresh garlic if you have it, especially for something like this. And you, you want to give the garlic also to the yeah, uh, the chicken that's inside. I think I said that, but anyway, if I didn't, I'm saying it again. <laughs> okay. The next thing is about essential oils. And, you know, before I say anything, I, I want to acknowledge, I understand that essential oils are controversial. I always get a comment about it whenever I talk about them. I generally will not recommend putting them on your chickens, especially like you should not put them undiluted on, on anything. <laughs> Um, cause they're very strong. Uh, I don't, I don't generally put them on chickens or in chickens, uh, with the exception of oregano oil, which I'm going to talk about in a few minutes, unless they're in a, a formula that is highly diluted. Okay. But for something like this, there are some gentle ones that I will use with my chickens, um, you know, for the chicken that is brought inside and for the flock. Okay. This, these are some gentle ones that help with respiratory stuff. So when I have an actively sick chicken, I will get two paper towels. I will place a few drops of one or more of the following gentle essential oils on each towel. So, uh, eucalyptus, lavender, tea tree, peppermint, lemon, uh, and thyme. These are all clearing, 
uh, essential oils that will help to kind of keep those nasal passages clear. And what I'll do is I'll hang one paper towel in the coop to get that going in there and hopefully prevent some stuff. And then I'll get the other paper towel and put that near the chicken that is in isolation. Okay. And that will, that, you know, it's just another layer of, of help for them. Okay. It's just another part of that supportive care that you're giving a chicken that's having a struggle with some respiratory stuff. The other thing I'll do is add a generous sprinkling of dried oregano and thyme into some scrambled egg um, or into your flock's feed, okay? And I will give that to the flock, and I will also give that to the sick chicken that is inside. I'll I'll put it in the scrambled eggs. But if it make you need to watch, and if it if it makes them not eat the scrambled egg, then I would discontinue that for the sick chicken. Um, but just because you want to make sure that they're eating something and they're keeping that strength up. And then the last thing I'll do is I'll add apple cider vinegar to the flock's water. Um, this is for your flock that's outside. Uh, you don't want to add it to the electrolyte water. It's just too much stuff in the water. But I would add it to my flock's water that's outside because it helps to kind of mitigate the spread of the of the whatever's going on, okay? And it also has some immune-boosting properties. And you can use that with the garlic, okay? Um, I just wouldn't put it in electrolyte water. Okay, and then there's some optional things that you can do. I have talked about a product called Rescue Remedy. It's a flower essence. Um, it's by a company called Bach. Uh, you can put a couple of drops of Rescue Remedy in the phlox water and in the water with your, you know, if you have a sick chicken, you can put it in their water. If you're putting garlic in their water, I I, I would not do that. I would put the garlic... <sighs> It's hard to explain, but because of the way flower essences work, the garlic may af- may affect it in a way that doesn't, you know, makes it not have as much benefit. So if you're using Rescue Remedy, I would put the garlic in their food or in scrambled eggs rather than in the water. Okay, the, the um, electrolytes is fine to go in the water and the apple cider vinegar, it's fine to go in the water. Um, so you might use that just because it's like, it's distressing. You know, the chicken that's inside is definitely stressing out because chickens don't like to be away from their flock. Um, sometimes being inside is scary for them. So, or be, being separated from their flock, being isolated is scary for them. So it's a it's a, just another layer of emotional protection. And we all know that like, when you're the more stressed out you are, the harder it is to heal. Okay. It's true for people and it's true for chickens. So we want to kind of calm, keep them calm down so that they can heal. Okay. And then we talked about a little bit about homeopathic remedies. So I, I use homeopathic remedies, but one thing I, I, I really want to let everyone know about is that homeopathics don't work unless you have the exact right remedy that you need for that individual chicken or a person or dog or whoever you're giving it to for their specific symptoms. Okay. So homeopathics, they follow the individual. Okay. If that makes sense. (laughs) So there are some homeopathics that have a very wide range of 
of symptoms that you can use them for. And there's other homeopathics that have a really narrow range of symptoms. But the main thing is you have to find the right remedy for the the uh, way that that chicken is experiencing the disease, okay? So uh, Sarah mentioned that she was using a homeopathic called antimonium crudum. And antimonium crudum is great when there is like a lot of like, you can hear the, the junk like in the sinuses. You can hear like it moving around. It's not, um, it's not dry. It's very like gurgly and you can really hear it. Um, and so a lot of times it is indicated for that. Now it might be that it's not the right remedy for whatever's going on with, with the rooster. And it sounds like if you've been using it for a few days and it's not having an effect, it's probably not the right remedy. You know, since he's got the wheezing going on, you could try, there's one called antimodium. Um, oh gosh, what is it? Antin antimodium tartaricum. Um, and this would be in a 30 C potency. You could also try arsenicum album in a 30 C potency. The, this, these are good for, you know, it could help with the wheezing, but it, you know, if he's got something complicated going on, it would be really hard to find the exact right remedy for him without the help of a licensed homeopath. Okay. So you could try that, but then also I'm going to give you some other ideas that you can do, like what you need to do if you've tried everything and it's not working. So we'll talk about that. One thing that I will say it, for, for everyone else, if you have a chicken and for Sarah in the, in the future, if this happens, if you have a chicken that suddenly becomes ill, like the chicken was fine and then all of a sudden they're sneezing or all of a sudden they're, they're obviously not feeling well, I would do the homeopathic aconite in the aconite, okay, in a 30C potency at the first sign of illness because aconite is really great when it just comes on very suddenly, okay? And it can give them that support that they need to get through that illness and maybe give them a better outcome. So that is another optional thing that you could consider. Um, and there's, you know, when it comes to like, dosing, homeopathics, and all that. I will leave a link in the description because it's complicated, okay? So, you know, hopefully, in a, with a few days of supportive care, your chicken has fully recovered and can be returned to their flock. If they aren't responding to supportive care, um, like it sounds like Sarah's rooster is not really responding, then it might be time to consult a veterinarian if you haven't already, if you're able to do that. I know a lot of people are not able to do that. That That is completely okay. You know, it's just one of those things. Um, but if you can, it's good to do that so that you can know exactly what you're dealing with and you can treat it appropri appropriately and possibly get antibiotics if you need them. If that's not an option for you, like it isn't for many people, you can try some natural antibiotics like um, a, an oregano supplement. I know, Der, I think Dervet, I think it's Dervet that has one. Um, they, it's an oregano supplement. You could try that. You could try oregano oil in the water, and that, was, that would be one drop per gallon of water. One drop 
of oregano essential oil per gallon of water mixed very well because oregano is really caustic to the membranes of the mouth. If they just got it in their mouth, it would be, it would not be great. I did it once. (laughs) Not to a chicken, to myself. Okay. It doesn't feel good. So don't do that to your chickens. Um, And then, yeah, I, and don't use, if you're using homeopathics, you don't use those with essential oil, okay? In the same water with essential oil, the homeopathics won't work if you do that. Um, and then another, another thing that can work as a natural antibiotic is colloidal silver. And for the dosage of that, I would Google, you know, the, do- the dosage for parrots, and follow that. There are some folks that will completely replace a chicken's water with colloidal silver. Um, if you do that, it needs to be a very good quality product. And I, I mean, I have done that before, but I'm going to say right now, please remember, I am not a veterinarian and my disclaimer is rolling. Okay. (laughs) You can just imagine it. Just imagine my disclaimer rolling. Um, you know, sometimes, Sometimes chickens sneeze a little bit and they're acting completely normal and it doesn't seem like there's anything really wrong with them other than the sneezing. Um, If that's the case, I would probably just do some immune boosting stuff for the whole flock, like garlic and thyme and oregano. um, And I wouldn't worry too much about it, but I would, you know, I would make sure to keep an eye on your flock just in case it develops into something that needs more attention. But if you hear a sneeze or two, don't that, that could mean they have something in their nair, you know, they could be sneezing at night because they got something in their nair and then in the morning it's gone. Or maybe they're dealing with something and it's something that is very easily for easy for them to get through. Okay. So there's, there's always that, that possibility is just like with people. Okay. We don't panic at the first sign of sniffly sneeze sneezes. Okay. Um, And then, you know, beyond doing some immune boosting stuff, I would just make sure that your coop is clean and that there's not ammonia build build up in your coop. Okay. Um, Sarah, I really hope this helps. Um, I, I hope your rooster pulls through. I definitely would try some of the natural antibiotics stuff, you know, choose which one that you're most comfortable with. If you can't get them to a vet, um, if you are able to take them to the vet, they might prescribe antibiotics, which is okay. You know, sometimes it's needed. Um, but I also want to say that sometimes, um, no matter what, no matter what we do, no matter how much support we give a chicken, they're just not meant to stay with us. And there's, there's not anything that we can do to save that chicken. And in those moments, I really I really just remember what a good life I gave that chicken. Okay. And I'm sure your chickens have a great life. All right. So I try to focus on that and I I really hope that he pulls through. All right. Okay. Now let's open up the chat for questions. Um, so JG asks, are cobwebs inside the coop a sign of parasites? I checked all my girls and they were clean, but this AM I opened the coop and the ceiling was covered in dusty cobwebs. 
I don't think they're a sign of parasites. I think it's pretty normal. Like I have cobwebs in my coop. Um, it's just that like within any area, um, in any building, especially, um, you know, there's like dust buildup and stuff. There's going to be cobwebs. And I would just get yourself one of those, um, you know, it's like a, a duster that has a longer handle. And so you can get up and, and get the cobwebs out, or you can do like I do and just completely ignore it. (laughs) But I don't, I definitely don't think it's a sign of, of mites or lice or anything like that, especially if your chickens are, are looking good and, and it doesn't seem like they have anything like that. Uh, Debbie357 asks, what kind of fodder seed do you use for your fodder grass, please? Um, I've used a few different formulas. Um, I, there's, you know, I mean, you can just use like, I'll get, uh, barley or, um, wheat from scratch and peck. Like they, they sell, I think they still sell, like, I think you can buy, sprouting grains from them. I have to look and see because their stuff has changed a little bit, but I'm fairly certain you can get uh, like barley and wheat and it's just just the grain. And um, then that grows pretty fast and I'll just throw it down in the, in the I have those, uh, my chicken salad bars and I'll just throw it down in there and it grows pretty fast. Um, and then there's a fun one from my pet chicken called Chicken Salad, and I'm not sponsored by them. I think they still have it. And that one's fun, and it grows really fast, and it's got stuff that chickens love in it that that grows quickly. But, you know, any kind of sprout is going to be fine. I have another formula that's like broccoli, um, alfalfa, Oh, what else? Any, you know, something that's green. <laughs> I can't remember what else is in that formula, but that's what I've used lately. But a lot of times it's just barley and wheat and it grows up quickly like grass basically. And the chickens love it. Um, Tracy asks, can you put fresh oregano in the water? Yeah, you can. It just, it won't, uh, you know, for fresh oregano, I'd probably just, give it to them fresh. Um, and you know, hopefully they'll just eat it. They probably will just eat it. You could dry it and then crumble it up and put it in their food in the water. I just don't know if it would kind of steep well enough to have, um, benefit you could put it in like a tea. You could put it in a, um, what do you call it? Like a tea thing. Um, it's like a reusable tea thing, (laughs) whatever, whatever it's called. It's not a tea bag. It's like a little ball, a metal ball, and you can put things in it and make tea with it. Uh, like a, you can seep tea with it. And so you can put that, you can make a tea out of it you know, a nice strong tea out of it and then put that, put the tea in the water or give them the water. Um, but you don't want like little particles of stuff to be in the water, uh, especially if it's baby chicks. So, um, yeah, I, I, I would do that. I would probably make a tea out of it so that it would be strong, you know, strong enough, especially if I had something going on with the chickens. Um, uh, TVMR7777 asks, 
Can I put herbs in their food daily? I usually use oregano, rosemary, sage, and basil. I would. I think there's. I don't think there's going to be a problem with that. I don't think they're going to OD on it. Um, I would put that in, in their in their food daily. I think that would be fine. Or you could do it just a few times a week, but you could do it. You could do that every day. It wouldn't it, that would be fine? Okay. Uh, Cherie says I have fourteen hens. And my egg production is down to three a day. I was at 12 per day. What should I do? Um, so it depends on it depends on what you're going for. Right now, the days are shorter. And when the days are shorter, your chickens are, for the most part, not going to be laying. Okay? Chickens all over right now in the Western Hemisphere are not laying because we have such short days. Chickens need a certain number of hours of daylight in a day in order to complete that cycle. Okay. So, um, you could gradually add some, some light to their coop. If it is very important for you to have eggs during this time, it's best to add that light in the morning because it's important for chickens to have a natural dusk if possible. Th- that way, um, you know, you're doing it gradually and then they still have that natural dusk and you will start to get eggs again if you add light, okay? Um, and I'll put, there's a, a good article about that. I'll try to remember to put that in the show notes so you can read about it. Uh, so Becky asks, um, I, we, I'm... New chicken owners here, she says. Uh, now that we have snow, my hens look like drenched, drenched little dogs. <laughs> uh, they look hilarious. Their coop is dry. They just don't seem to mind the rain and the snow. Any tips? I think if they're if they're okay, if they seem okay, I wouldn't worry about it too much. You know, obviously, if they're just like drenched to the bone and you've got like chickens that are uh, known to not be very cold hardy. You might consider if they're really drenched, you know, bringing them inside so that they can dry off a little bit or taking a towel out there. But generally like if they don't mind, they're likely okay. Sometimes there's a chicken that's just not very smart and they will go into the rain and, and get drenched. If that's the case, you can, you can dry them off. But I, I, I wouldn't worry about it too much. Like I have some white chickens that are beautiful and right now they just look like mud poodles. (laughs) They look terrible. They're just dirty. You know, they've got like super muddy feet. They're pure white sizzles and they have like gray feet because they're super muddy. So um, I wouldn't worry about it too much. Okay. So Annette asks, have I ever dealt with mycoplasma? Um, I, where I live, it is, that is super duper common. Okay. In fact, other bacterial issues are very common where I live for whatever reason, possibly because it's, it's like damp and muddy here. Um, and so I do think I have dealt with it. I think I've had mycos mycoplasmosis in my flock. Um, and the reason I think that is because I've had a few chickens over the years that have had a chronic, uh, respiratory condition 
that I have had to manage for their whole lives. I had one chicken that had it. She would get, you know, every winter she would get the symptoms. I would give her some supportive care. And she lived, I don't know how old she was when she died. She may have been 10 years old. Um, And then I actually think that that's what Philippe had um, originally. And I was able to originally uh, handle it with homeopathics. Um, Same with my other chicken. And then uh, eventually Philippe developed a, a, um, like a mass in his nair. And that I had to treat with antibiotics and then it had to be removed. But, um, and he needed a few courses of antibiotics because of that. And eventually he died. Okay. So he, you know, he, he lived to be, I think he was six when he died. So that's not a bad run for a chicken, especially one with chronic issues. I think what scares people a lot about mycoplasmosis, uh, mycoplasma, is that a lot of people talk about, well, now your whole flock has it and they're always going to have it. And and it is true that they will likely be carriers, okay? And if you are rehoming chickens, it's important to disclose, look, I've had such and such in my flock and I'm letting you know that this is, this is what was going on. And, and unfortunately that's, you know, people may react a certain way to that. These kind of bacterial, um, uh, diseases are everywhere. Okay. So it's not like it's this curse on you or that you've done something wrong that that's not it. It's just that they're, that they're everywhere. And I just assume that my flock was, is likely positive for that and other things because I've taken in so many rescues. Okay. I've, and when you bring in chickens from other places, then inevitably at some point you will likely confront some of that stuff. So um, I would handle it like I handle everything else. You know, you 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 if you have a chicken that is sick, you offer that chicken supportive care. If they're not responding to the supportive care, you consider taking them to a vet or doing some kind of natural antibiotic stuff. Um, and if you lose a chicken, then you remember the great life that you gave that chicken. Um, but I would not feel like, oh my gosh, this is, this is a, a death sentence for my whole flock because for many, many flocks, it's a part, just a part of their environment and a part of their life. Okay. So I hope that helps. Okay, everyone. Um, I know that there's other questions. I'm sorry. I didn't get to all of them. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you to my moderator, Kelsey Paulus, also known as the Chickenlandia presidential advisor thank you to talking to crows for editing this episode and to double m ranch for their wonderful podcast art my friends if you enjoyed this podcast please remember to rate and review it um that really helps me especially on itunes and spotify and if you're watching on youtube just go ahead and give it a thumbs up that helps me too but the main thing that helps me more than anything else is that you know that you are always welcome in Chickenlandia. Bye! Dahlia Monterosso, also known as the president of Chickenlandia, is a backyard chicken educator in Northwest Washington. To submit your question to Bok Talk, visit welcometochickenlandia.com. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.